0: Jazakumullahu Khairan, wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa
1: Bismillah wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een, Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Inshallah, I hope everyone's enjoyed their, uh, their break, right? This past week, week and a half, alhamdulillah, there's a lot of time spent with family and people, you know, getting together and having a good time uh, with loved ones and and relatives. So Alhamdulillah, hopefully that was all fruitful and blessed, inshaAllah. Alhamdulillah, we are on uh, verse number, uh, I believe we're on verse number 89 today. Uh, We are on verse number 89 today. We're going to begin, inshaAllah, with verse number 89. So whoever is following along. Uh, They can open up their Qur'ans, their apps, whatever they have inshallah to verse number 89 because that's where we will begin. Uh, Just to kind of reiterate uh, to everybody, the theme that we were talking about, the place that we're at in this surah right now, is when Prophet Yusuf uh, was finally given the uh, permission by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reveal to his brothers who he actually was. The identity of, of, of his. Um, and this happened in a position where Yusuf alayhi uh, salam was seeing his family undergo immense stress and, 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 and desperation. This is when he kept Benjamin back with him. Uh, this is when the father Yaqub alayhi salam, if we remember, his eyes became white with sorrow uh, as the Quran describes. So this family had hit a very, very difficult time uh, in their, their lives. And uh, to the point where, uh, you know, the, the brothers, they say in verse number 88, قَالُوا يَا That, oh, oh, Aziz, oh, great, you know, king, great, great, great leader, uh, you know, uh, adversity. Masana wa وَأَهْلَنَا you know, uh, a hard time or adversity has hit us. مَسَّنَ By the way, these were the same words that were used by another prophet previously. Anyone know? Anyone want to take a guess? masana الضُرُّ was said by another prophet in Qur'anic history. If anyone knows, like bonus points. Uh, very good, very good. Ayyub عليه So Ayyub was the one who said this when he was going through extreme illness and sickness. Masana This is when he cried out to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala a dua of desperation, telling Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that truly uh, difficulty and adversity has hit me. Right, but obviously he said masani, you know masani, right? That adversity has hit me. This is masana wa saying that hard time has hit us and our family. So Yusuf alayhi Salam seeing this, he the Quran mentions or the Tafsir mentions that he felt extreme compassion for his family. I mean, who wouldn't, right? If your family comes to you with a desperate notion saying that we have gone through a very difficult time and you can see the difficulty on their faces, you can read the social uh the social, you know, uh, almost the social um connotation that they're going through something very very desperate in their lifetime right now any human being would feel bad about the state of, of, of their family, right? And this is what family means. Family means that you you, you have the soft spot for them, even if they've done things to you that you deem as wrong, or you deem as, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they wronged me, right? Or they were rude to me, or they shouldn't have done that. This is why family is special. This is why that you know Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says ya khalaqakum <laughs> min wa minha Allah tells you in the Quran that you need to keep the ties of kinship right wattaqullaha <laughs> tasaeluna bihi wal arham that behind being conscious of Allah, Allah's command, aluna bihi," Allah is telling us to be conscious of Him. And then right after the command is, arham," Keep your ties of kinship. Do not abandon your ties of kinship. And there's a lot of meaning behind what does it mean to keep ties of kinship. If a family member wrongs me in a certain way, is it bad that I you know, learn from that mistake? No. It's not bad that you learn from that mistake, but what the 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 katya rahim is what you call it, katya rahim, the cutting of the ties of kinship. It involves a person not doing their part and keeping ties. Okay? If a person chooses to ignore you, if a person chooses to be rude to you, this is out of your control. But what you and I can do is what is within our control as human beings, and that is Silatul Rahim, to keep ties of kinship. So when Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam, he saw the desperation in his brother's eyes. Tafsir ibn Kathir, ibn, ibn Kathir rahimahullah, says that he felt compassion and pity and mercy for his father and brothers. He felt this way, ibn Kathir mentions specifically because he recognized his status as being very high. He had kingship, he had authority, he had power. So it was almost like a opposite effect. He was at this state of great power and authority and his family was basically on the verge of becoming homeless. Okay, And at this point Ibn Kathir he says that Yusuf alayhi salam and by the way, everybody knows that in verse 89 Yusuf alayhi salam he revealed his identity to his family. But a lot of people don't know how he did it. What was the mannerism in which he revealed himself to his family? Because this is important, right? If I, if, if I say that Yusuf salam <laughs> was uh, you know, keeping his identity a secret for decades and years from his brother and his father, from his brothers and his father, and finally he decided to tell them who he was, there are many different ways that he could have gone about doing this. And so Ibn Kathir, he says that when it was time for him in ayah 89, To reveal to his brothers his identity He did it while he was crying This isn't Tafsir ibn Kathir That he did it while he was crying Now why would he be crying At this moment of revealing his identity And I want everyone to pause And think for a minute About all of the surah Leading up to this one moment that of all the entire surah, of all the emotions, all the pain, all the suffering, all the injustice you know, you know that, was, that was put upon Yusuf alayhi salam He finally is able to seek some sort, of, some sort of justice to what had happened to him And out of this very emotional moment, he began to cry and not only cried because of all the memories flooding back to him. But because he saw what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had reduced his family to. Could you imagine? And think as a kid. As a ki- and I'll share this very you know, emotional point here. As a child. And I'm sure even the adults in here have memories of this. You grow up. Viewing your mother and father As these pillars of strength in your life Your father was the one who used to handle Any sort of, you know, physical Any sort of serious moment that you needed in your life Your father took care of it Any time you needed a moment of emotional support And strength in the family You turned to your mother Now I want everyone to to, to think and reflect Over the first time they looked at either one of their parents and saw that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had inflicted the, the effects of time upon them. That they're no longer those pillars of strength that you remember them as. In fact, now you are the pillar of strength that they need in their life. I remember I told this story several times. My mother actually heard this. In one of the classes that I taught you know, before, I, I mentioned the story and my mother, she heard it and she began to cry when she actually heard the, the, the class. She was watching the class live. That I remember the first time seeing my mother uh, reach an an elderly age. I remember I was in college. I was around 21 years old. And I remember, and at that time was my last year actually of living in my family's home before I moved out. And my mother, after a day of work, she came and she had her groceries. And I remember she put the groceries down on the kitchen floor. And she sat and she began to basically hold her back like this and grimace in pain. And for the first time in my life, I had a very very strange feeling that this was the woman who used to carry her children and the groceries together in one arm. This was the woman who used to basically move things in the house while the kids used to play and now carrying just two small plastic bags of vegetables and whatever she had bought that day. It took so much out of her that she had to sit down on the chair and hold her back while she was collecting her breath. And I remember, subhanAllah, that moment, I, I, a very serious moment of emotion kind of took over me as, as a young man that day. That, subhanAllah, how, how, how quickly a person can, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, وَرَدَدْنَاهُ asfala سَافِرِينَ Right? He says in the previous ayah, لَقَدْ خَالَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمٍ ثُمَّ رَدَدْنَاهُ أَسْفَلَ سافرين. We created you from the best of statures, but then ثُمَّ رَدَدْنَاهُ أَسْفَلَ السَّافِرِينَ We will reduce you to the lowest of lows. And such is life. Such is life. You go from this pillar of strength down to, and you know, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. You know, you go from, you you, you really go full circle in life. Right? If you look at elderly people, elderly. I have a a dadi now in, in my life, my last remaining grandparent. She's now in her 90s, subhanAllah. And I think to myself, subhanAllah, the same needs that she has are similar to almost one of, like, one of my nieces and nephews. They need help you know, walking up and down the stairs. They need help gathering themselves a little bit. They need help kind of protecting against severe weather, even more so now than the average person. I mean, these are norms. And so when Yusuf alayhi salam, he heard about his father losing his eyesight. He saw his brothers going through a very difficult moment, he broke down as a person. And so in ayah number 89, Yusuf alayhi salam, he says, qala hal alimtum ma fa'altum Yusuf wa jahilun. He says to his brothers, he says, do you know or do you remember what you did? Alimtum ma Do you remember what you did? What do you know what you did? Yusuf wa Akhihi, iz antum jahilun, to Yusuf and his brother, wa antum jahilun, when you all were in a state of jahilun, when you were ignorant. Now, this is surprising to the brothers. The brothers never revealed Yusuf's name to this man. How does he know Yusuf's name? How on earth did he know our other brother's name? Because if you remember context clues previously, the only hint that they had given this man, that there was another brother, was when they said that if Benjamin was caught, was alleged to have stolen, there was another brother of his that has also been accused of stealing. That's the only thing that they mentioned of another brother that they had. So this man now, this Aziz, bringing up verbatim the name Yusuf. Yusuf, وَأَخِيهِ antum jahilun. What you did to Yusuf and his brother when you were ignorant? And so, at this moment, these brothers, they began to, you know, what? It's like a moment of just absolute shock. How do you know that man? How do you know him? Yusuf was six years old, seven years old. No one knew of him. Certainly not here in this area. How do you know? Okay? Uh, And by the way, the meaning of Wa is antum jahirun. Do you not remember, Do you not know what you did to Yusuf and his brother? Is antum jahirun? You know because uh, obviously they, they didn't do anything to Banyamin. So what does Yusuf alaihi mean by Yusuf wa akhihi, that you did to Yusuf and his brother? The scholars of alamad they say that the meaning of wa means separating Yusuf from Benjamin. Do you remember what you did to Yusuf and his brother, meaning the separating of the two brothers. Do you remember what you did to Yusuf and his brother by separating them? Is Antum Jahilun. And by the way, the word the Jahilun here, jahala, the, the ignorance that is being addressed here is in connotation of meaning when you were overcome with extreme emotion. So Yusuf is reliving what had happened 40, 50 years ago when jealousy overtook you and your hearts you did something out of jahara you did something out of ignorance you did something out of extreme emotion you acted off of extreme emotion and you did what you did by throwing your brother Yusuf down a well okay and you know at this point he reveals his identity to his brothers and this is a very important point here that the first point that I made is that he revealed his identity to his brothers because he was overcome with a lot of human emotion. But the main reason why he revealed his identity was because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him the command to do so. That's the main reason. Because pure human desire does not give the prophets the permission to do what they want to do. If that was the case, the Prophet sallallahu would have never left Mecca. Understand, this is an authentic hadith That if it was, because of, if, if it was for pure emotion The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, would have never left the city of Mecca He would have remained there But it was because of the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That he was told to perform his hijrah from Mecca to Medina It was because of the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That Musa was ordered to part the sea It was because of the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Ibrahim alayhi salam left his wife and son in the middle of a valley. It was because of the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Ibrahim alayhi salam was about to sacrifice his only son at that time, Ismail. It was only because of these commands. So one thing that we know in Islam, this is a principle, desire does not always or should not always equal action. This makes sense. This is something that is fundamental in our our, our religion. That nowhere in our religion is it okay just to act because you feel like it. Nowhere in our religion is it permitted to just do something because you want to do it. There's a lot of things that humans want to do, but it is not the best for them to do. Human beings want to exercise desire. Whether it's shahwa, whether it's obsession over money, whether it is certain desires socially. But we know that if we were to act on these desires, it would come down as for the worst of our souls. So we refrain because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to refrain from it. So Yusuf alayhi Salaam for all these years, could have, would have, if it was up to him, revealed himself to his brother and his father. But he kept it, why? Because Allah did not permit him to do so. And so at this moment finally he was given permission by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And obviously we know that in the Quran whenever there's a difficulty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala follows it with some sort of ease. And this is given in a very famous surah, surah al-inshirah or people call it surah al-sharh where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Now one of the beautiful things about that verse by the way and I want everyone to kind of pay attention here. In the Qur'an, a lot of people try to translate that, فَإِنَّمَا عَلَى الْعَسْرِ Yusra, إِنَّمَا عَلَى الْعَسْرِ Yusra. They say that for, with, with, ease, with with hardship comes ease. This is not actually the best translation by the way. This is not the best translation. Because when it comes to this verse, there's actually a sukun on top of the alif at the end of yusran. And when there's a sukun at the end of a word, it denotes that there is pluralism in the definition of that word. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِنَّمَا usri Does Usri have a sukun on it? No, it doesn't. Usri. It's not a Usrin. It's a Usri. But when you get to Yusran, there's a sukun on it. So there has to be a plural nature to it. Usri yusran, okay, fathatain, right? There has to be a multiple form of whatever word that is. So the actual translation of fa inna usri yusran is with verily every singular piece of hardship, there are multiple sources of ease that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will follow. So this is a huge, huge consolation to everybody around us. That whenever there is a difficulty, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised in the Qur'an that there will be multiple sources of ease to follow it. Don't just think that your life is equal parts difficulty and ease. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if you truly, truly look out for it, it is not equal at all. For every difficulty, there's multiple eases. Every difficulty, multiple eases. Every difficulty, multiple eases. And so this is the reminder that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us through the Qur'an. So now the brothers, they respond to their brother The brothers now they respond They respond to their brother in ayah number 90 And they say to him قَالُوا إِنَّكَ لَأَنْتَ يُوسُفُ إِنَّكَ لَأَنْتَ Yusuf? Are you Yusuf? Are you Yusuf? Are you the one that, 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 that our brother that we knew? And this is the moment of amazement. And by the way, a, a very interesting fact here that a lot of people can kind of note down about the surah that Ibn Kathir rahimahullah and all other leading authorities of tafsir they say that the the interaction between the brothers and Yusuf alayhi salam and this entire ordeal of going back and forth and interpreting dreams and uh, 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 coming to to Yusuf for aid and them telling him to go back and get Benjamin and holding Benjamin back and telling him to go back to their father to tell them that Benjamin was held back this ibn Kathir rahimullah says lasted 2 years 2 years it lasted this back and forth and it makes sense when you think about it because no one's traveling according to 2022 time right there's no car that can travel from Canaan to Egypt in like 5 hours So obviously, a four to five hour journey would on foot take a few days or at least a week at that time. And so weeks of traveling, staying back at their house, coming back to Egypt, staying in Egypt for a few weeks, going back again, traveling again, coming back, staying back, traveling again. This lasted Ibn Kathir, he says, for two years, they were unaware of who he was. So this wasn't just like an overnight trip that they took and they were talking to this man who they didn't even know who he was and then finally the day after they reveal they find out that he's his brother. This was for two years he kept his identity hidden from them. For two years. And out of this moment they say And then Yusuf responds back to them. He says He says Indeed I am Yusuf. And Hada akhi, he he holds Benjamin, taps him on his shoulder, and he says, "Hada akhi, this is my brother. This is your brother." Okay. And at this point, Yusuf alayhi salam, he continues to speak. He he says, "Qad manna, Qad manna I want everyone to. Can I can I, can I say something? I want everyone to memorize this phrase: "Qad manna alayna." You know what it means? It means Allah has been gracious with us. Allah has been gracious to us. Qad manna alayna. Whenever anybody asks, "Alhamdulillah, how are you doing?" This is a new trick to teach people. Instead of just saying "Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah" aimlessly all the time, say "Alhamdulillah." It's good, but say something that you really mean. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been gracious to me. You know, uh, one of our teachers taught us that the, the, this, this phrase in Arabic, it means something that a lot of us, you know, say very, very easily in English. I have no complaints. <laughs> I got nothing to complain about. Allah has been so good to me. I can't complain. Right? Yusuf alayhi salam, he looks at his brothers after he tells them that I'm Yusuf, Ana Yusuf, وَهَذَا أَخِي قَدْ مَنَّ الله علينا. After all of this, the first thing he says is قَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ علينا? That Allah has been gracious to us After what he's been through Could you imagine? And can you imagine what we, what we complain about In our day and age What we go through That's a lot less than what this man has gone through And after all of this suffering, he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been gracious to us. This should put into perspective the art of complaining. If any of us are frequent in our complaints about life, we should go back and look at the perspective of other people. You know, there's a very beautiful statement. Everyone familiar with Sheikh Hamza Yusuf? Everyone know Sheikh Hamza? Famous, mashallah. Sometimes I say that Sheikh Hamza is too smart for the average person. He, even his English needs translation right? This is, the, this is the level of intellect That this man has Shaykh Hamza one time He said in a very, very beautiful reminder He said for the people Who like to complain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Likes to give people what they want And if people like to complain Allah will give you things To complain about You understand? It's a very beautiful poem <laughs> He says Allah likes to give people What they like You like something Allah will give it to you So you like to complain Allah will give you things To complain about so you like complaining Allah will continue to give you things in life to complain about Misery loves company So one of the things to kind of really reflect on here Is We have to really ask ourselves What, 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 is the, what, are, what are the subjects of our complaints Because sometimes we complain Just for the sake of complaining There's really nothing wrong There's really nothing wrong We just complain because I just I, I nitpick everything I nitpick everything my kids are praying salah, but one of them did something that I didn't want them to do. Oh, Sheikh, you know, my kid's lost. <laughs> are they praying their salah? Yeah, Sheikh, but, oh, you know, but they're doing other things. Say, alhamdulillah, that your kid is one of the 10% of teenagers in the world that are praying. Seriously. There's so many other things that, that could be wrong. But alhamdulillah, the pillar's still there. You know? Th- th- these are things that we really need to put into perspective. There was a, there, there was a, <laughs> I, I, I really, had, I, I wish I didn't have to share this, but this is a very true thing that we're going through in today's day and age. Today's day and age we're going through this, I can guarantee everybody in here has, has heard about it. I mean, the, the, the issue of, 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 of homosexuality and gender identity is such a huge problem in the community nowadays. A huge problem. You know when I have people come up to me? With their, 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 their sons and daughters and saying like, oh, you know, my son is interested in a girl or my, my, my daughter's interested in a guy, I need you to tell them that this is wrong. I tell them, you should say, alhamdulillah, that they're interested in the opposite gender. Seriously. In today's day and age when everything's an option, say, alhamdulillah, that your kid's going through something normal. Seriously. Like these are things that, well, wallahi, I, I, and I know that I, I took kind of a comical tone on it, but this is a very serious thing. We we need to be grateful And I'll tell you what Even some of the problems that we have We need to be grateful that we have those problems And not other problems You know Ibn Rajab he talks about this Thank God that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala If you're going through an issue here Thank God that Allah is testing you in this dunya And not in the akhirah. Thank God Allah is testing me with financial Difficulty in this dunya Because I would hate to be tested with with difficulty in the akhirah, That's one of the conditions of gratitude of Shukr. Is you thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for testing you here and not there. So Yusuf says this famous line, "Qadmanna Allahu alayna." Okay, and Then in verse number 90, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He describes the state of Yusuf alayhi salam He says, إِنَّهُ مَنْ يَتَّقِي وَيَصْبِرُ وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُدِعُ أَجْرُ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Okay, uh, and so Yusuf gives his brothers this final lesson. He says, "Inna hu yattaqi wa yasbir, fa inna Allah la yudi'u ajral muhsinin." He says, "For verily, who has taqwa, who is conscious of Allah, and who are patient, surely Allah subhanahu wa taala la yudi'u ajral muhsinin. Allah will not allow the reward of those who do good to ever." La يُضِعُ يُضِعُ means lost to be lost he says La يُضِعُ it will never be lost remember that for the people who look down and they do good and they ask Allah to accept it your reward may flee you in the five minutes that you expect it to but it will never flee you forever it will come back to you it will come back to you. It will come back to you whether it's tomorrow or next day or next year or at the end of your life or maybe even in the hereafter. Your reward will be there. It will never be lost. It will never be gone. Okay? And so the brothers, they respond to him. They say, قَالُوا he said لَقَدْ عَلَيْنَا They say to Yusuf and they say, by Allah... Indeed, Allah has preferred you over us Allah has preferred you over us Above us Okay Now what does this mean? It means that these brothers have have accepted Have come full circle That Yusuf is not just an, an ordinary person He's not just an ordinary person He is more pious than them He is more righteous than them He is a very, very close person to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this ayah teaches us the attitude that we should actually have with those who are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather than being jealous of them, rather than being uh, almost intimidated by them, right? And this comes in several different forms, by the way. Several different forms. One, it comes from jealousy. Some people are jealous. Oh, look at this guy. You know, he's more religious and this and that, all that stuff. And why is he like this? And oh, look at him. He recites Quran and does this and does that. We, we tend to speak ill of these people because we're jealous of them. And number two, number two, we speak ill of them sometimes as a means to make fun of them. This happens in communities all the time, by the way, where the, where, where the person who tries to be religiously devout is made fun of by the other people in the Dawah. Right? Because, oh, when everyone else is having fun, this brother brings up Isha Namaz. <laughs> when everybody else is trying to enjoy the match, this brother has to bring up Fajr or The Oh, look at this guy. Religious guy. Religious auntie, right? Religious this, religious that. And I think, you know what you know a sad thing is? Don't worry, it's my daughter. She's just being rude. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the, w- w- one, one thing is, is that... We sometimes do this as a deflection of our own insecurities. Because I know I should be praying. So the only way to make myself feel better is putting down the guy who is actually telling me to pray. Oh, look at this religious guy. Always ruining the fun. You know deep down that you should stop and pray, Isha. But to deflect that guilt off of your shoulder, you're like, ah, look at this religious guy. Always trying to pray. The way that we should behave around people who are quite literally closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, rather than being this way with them, you should actually learn from them. You should learn from them. Sit down with them. Ask them, what was your journey? You know, there's a very famous story. I'll share this very, it's very beautiful story. Where the Prophet ﷺ in Medina, he knew two brothers, two, 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 two brothers who were related to one another. And one brother was very, very, you know, he would always be at work and he would always be working and he would always be spending his hours at the shop and, you know, grinding away as they say and doing his business and whatnot. The other brother would work, but he would take time randomly throughout the day to go to the masjid to see the Prophet ﷺ. So he would do his work. Once his work was done, he would take a break, go to the masjid, go sit with the Prophet ﷺ the first brother, he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he says, Ya Rasulullah, my brother, he doesn't work hard as I do. He doesn't work as hard as I do. He just, he, 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 I work harder than him, I work longer hours than him. He leaves right when he's done and then he goes and spends his time at the masjid. And you know what the Prophet ﷺ, he said to him? Very beautiful response. He said, it could quite literally be because of your brother's piety. It could be because of your brother's closeness with Allah that your business is so successful today. You think that the success of your business is because you spend hours and hours and hours at your work. But the real reason why your business is so successful is because your brother takes time during his day to go to the masjid and pray to Allah. You know, and this is the, you know, and this is the same, by the way, the same conversation that we have when it comes to people who are like, you know, who, who own certain, you know, uh, businesses and conveniences and this and that, all that stuff. And there's always this difficult decision of making sure that well, what I sell and what I'm in the business of is halal. Because I want my money to be halal. And there's a tough, you know, there's, a, there, there's quite literally a very tough decision to be made that if I cut out the things that I'm selling that are haram, I might lose out on a lot of money. You know, I might lose out on like 10, 15% of my profit. So what do I do? You know, I had a brother in Memphis who had the same exact conundrum. He used to own a convenience store. I still remember this, right nearby the Masjid, by the way. He used to own a convenience store and 20% of his net profit used to come from selling alcohol. He used to, from selling alcohol. And this is, by the way, very common with convenience stores, gas stations, whatnot. The majority of the sales come from, from, from alcohol, and he went to, he, 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 he saved enough money one year to actually go to hajj. He saved enough money one year to go to hajj. He went to hajj and he came back and he said, there's no way on earth I'm ever selling any of this stuff anymore. Even if I lose money. Even if I lose money. And you know what else he did, by the way? This is incredible. That's not even the end of the story. What's incredible is after he stopped selling the alcohol, he saved up the money again to go do hajj again. And I asked him why, he said, because the first hajj I went to, my money could have been not, not okay. Because the money that I had saved was actually from selling alcohol in my convenience store. So I felt deep down in my heart that I had to re-save my money and go do hajj again with, 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 halal, and tayyib, with halal and good money. And so he went to do hajj again and he came back. And to this day, by the way, I'll, I won't share his name, just for his privacy. His convenience store today is one of the only convenience stores in Memphis, Tennessee that doesn't sell alcohol and he makes a lot of money, Mashallah, A lot of money. And you know what he also does? Any event at the masjid, he gives the food for whatever cost is. Doesn't make any money off of it. There's a way of, there's a way of obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that will just put barakah in your life. It will just put barakah in your life. And so when they say, َقَالُوا تَالَّهِ لَقَدْ أَثَرَكَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْنَا That Allah has preferred you over us. Allah has preferred you above us. This is something we need to to appreciate about those who are pious around us in our life. We need to learn from these people. How do they become like this? It takes takes a lot of of effort to reach a level of piety, right? And no one should ever walk around with the air of piety on them, obviously. You know, people who think that they're pious is the number one sign that they're not pious. People who think that they're pious, it means that they're not pious at all, right? The most pious people on earth just think that they're regular people. I'm just a regular guy. I go to work. I come back, go to the masjid at night, go home, feed my family, go to sleep, get up, wake wake up for Fajr, pray Fajr, start my job. That's all I do. But he's pious. Those are the pious people, okay? And at this point, we'll end, inshallah, with, uh, with, with verse number 92, inshallah. Verse number one ninety one and ninety two. Allah subhanahu wa taala he says, "وَإِن كُنَّ لَخَاطِئِينَ." He says that uh, that the brothers continue to speak after they say, تَلَّهِ آثَرَكَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْنَ وَإِن كُنَّ لَخَاطِئِينَ. That we have certainly been sinners. So the brothers they now admit their faults. We sinned. We made mistakes. We shouldn't have done this. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness And at this point there are the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And Yusuf alayhi salam So Yusuf alayhi salam He responds with a very very beautiful response And I want everyone to take note of this This is the response, verse number 92 Verse number 92, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says that the words of Yusuf alayhi salam Qala la Yaghfirullahu lakum wa huwa arhamur rahimin he says, لا تتريب عليكم اليوم He says, no punishment, no, no anger is on you today. He says this to his brothers. He says, I'm not going to hold you accountable today. He says, يَغْفِرُ اللَّهُ huwa You need to ask Allah to forgive you. May Allah forgive you, he is the one who is truly merciful. There's a couple of lessons here. The first thing is, is that when it comes to Yusuf alayhi salam, he says, <laughs> He says, I am not going to hold you accountable for anything today. I'm just a person. I'm not going to hold a grudge against you today. He says, you, you, you I'm not going to hold any ill will. And you, know, you know one of the scholars, what they said, by the way, one of the ulama, very beautiful. He said that Yusuf alayhi learned so much in his life from holding grudges against other people that this is why he says, La اليوم. He's seen the harms of holding grudges against people. It's caused him plenty of difficulty in his own life, being the victim of it. So he says, I don't want to be the one who deals it. لا I'm not gonna hold anything against you today because I've seen the harms of holding grudges against people in their hearts. It leads them to basically live their life in a very difficult way because of your anger and jealousy of them. But he says, يَغْفِرُ You should ask Allah for forgiveness. May Allah have forgiveness for you. Wahu Allah is the one who is most forgiving. So I'll end today's session with a few tips on how To emulate the forgiveness of the prophets. Okay? And this is very important. So, inshallah, people are writing down, I think it would be a great idea. Number one. Number one. When forgiving somebody in our life, the first thing that we need to do is to make sure that that forgiveness is very clear. Does that make sense? That there is no confusion on whether I have forgiven somebody or not. Because one of, the, one of the difficulties of people when they go through conflict is five years past, six years past, seven years past, I don't know if this guy's ever forgiven me. Why? Because he's never spoken to me. He just stopped talking to me. Stopping speaking to somebody is not forgiveness, by the way. Forgiveness, the adab of, of forgiveness in our deen, is to actually tell somebody that I forgive you. Because forgiveness is not just like, go away, I'm done with you. That's not forgiveness. Because you could, you could, you could still hold a lot, of, a lot of anger for this person in your heart. This is why, by the way, forgiveness in our deen, and this is, why, this is why religion is so beautiful. Because religion does not just stop between you and another person. This is, what, this, this is what secularism does to a person. Secularism tells you that everything you go through in your life is between you and other people or other creation. Deen, what deen teaches you is That I'm not just forgiving this person Because oh yeah I've cut off ties with him Forgiveness is also by the way for yourself So you can admit very wholeheartedly To to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this person That I, I do not have any ill will towards you I don't have any ill will towards you So number one is making sure That the forgiveness is very clear That person B knows that I have forgiven them without a shadow of a doubt. You know, one of my teachers said that if you have forgiven a person, a person should be able to ask that person, have you been forgiven? And they should say yes. That confidence of knowing that you've been forgiven. That's what forgiveness is. Number one. Number two is do not hold any grudge after you have forgiven somebody. Ibn Kathir Rahimullah, he mentions that after Yusuf Alayhi salam, says, لا tatrayba alaykum اليوم, he also added, the ulama. they say that he added, and I will not remind you after today of the error you have made against me. So he tells his brothers that after I've forgiven you, I will not remind you of the error that you have committed against me. Think about this. How many people claim to have forgiven somebody, but then they keep bringing it up after, 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 after. And not just directly, by the way. Because the, 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 the nature of human beings is to make lightheartedness out of situations. So sometimes we joke about it. Oh, remember when this guy left me? <laughs> Stranded at the masjid? Remind me to get my car next time, right? I can't trust this guy anymore. I mean, he was embarrassed about it. Brother was embarrassed. He was embarrassed. He pleaded and begged for your mercy. And you said, that, okay, I forgive you. But you still keep bringing up jokes about it to him. Right, This is not forgiveness Forgiveness is making sure That we not only have forgiven But we have also buried it There's no bringing it up again Because this was a moment of shame for this person Embarrassment for this person So Yusuf he says That I will not bring this up with you after this day Okay, that's number two Number three And this is very important Is although a person can forgive that person should learn from their mistake. This person should learn from their situation, the hal that took place. I'll give you the example. I, I, I trusted somebody. They betrayed my trust. I was very angry with them. They asked for my forgiveness. I, alhamdulillah, was able to you know, hold my anger and repress my anger and say, I forgive you. I buried the hatchet. But now I know that your trust has to be earned again. This is a big part of forgiveness, by the way. That forgiving doesn't just mean that I forgive you and we move on like everything is perfectly fine and normal all over again. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is I forgive you. I hold no ill will towards you, but I will now mentally take note of the situation that unfolded. I will learn from it. And I will will make sure that I keep a note of it moving forward. I will not make you feel bad about it, but this is for myself. Trust Trust has to be earned. Very good. Number four, and this is hard, this is hard, but the scholars, the ulama they even say that if you want to even beautify your forgiveness even more, do something kind for the person that wronged you. Now this is hard, (laughs) this is hard. This is where the majority of people, they say, I've done enough, what more do you want me to do? Well, the scholars, they say that if you really want to prove that you have gotten over it, do something kind for the person. Do something for that person, give them a gift, Pay for a meal. Do something that, that, that they would appreciate. This proves that you have truly, truly mastered the nafs. Okay? Then last two. Number five. And this is very important. Knowing that your forgiveness is rooted in for the sake of Allah more than anything else. That I forgive you for the sake of Allah more than anything. And you know what the beauty of that is, by the way? Anyone, anyone in here ever heard somebody say for the sake of Allah... I forgive you for the sake of Allah, I love you for the sake of Allah. What does this mean? What does this term mean? For the sake of Allah means that it is better than any reason that I can come up with myself. Because sometimes I will love somebody for a very selfish reason. Sometimes I will forgive somebody for a selfish reason. Sometimes I will do something for somebody for a selfish reason, but in this case, I forgive you for the sake of Allah and Allah alone. Because for whatever intention that I had that was human, That intention may be flawed. But my forgiveness is for Allah and Allah alone. And I forgive you. Do you understand? So forgiveness must be, there must be an intention for the sake of Allah within that forgiveness. Because there will be days you wake up and say, man, should I have forgiven this guy? Really? Look at what he's doing now. (laughs) Should I have forgiven him? No, no, no. Don't Don't worry about him. You forgave because you know Allah will reward you. That's why you forgave. Okay, And the last but not least And this is the last one And this is where Yusuf alayhi uh, salam Proves in verse number 92 Where he says He says may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Forgive you And if you want to actually truly forgive a person Make dua for them Make dua for them Make dua for the person that has, that has wronged you If a person has wronged you Make dua for this person The famous story of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq And his uh, cousin Mistah Right? Very famous story. There's not enough time to cover it today. But long story short, brief <laughs> sentence. Uh, Mistah was caught up in the uh, chapter of the Sirah called uh, uh, Waqiyatul Ifq, the, the slander of our mother Aisha. Okay? That he got caught up in the slander of Aisha radiallahu anha when people were talking about her behind her back. Mistah, the cousin of Abu Bakr, so the, he was the nephew. Right or sorry, he, he yeah he was the nephew of uh, of uh, of um, he was a cousin of Abu Bakr, so he was the he was the uh, Aisha radhiyallahu anha was his somebody help me if he, if he was a cousin of Abu Bakr he was the, uh, the 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 he was almost like the uncle family member relative of Aisha radhiyallahu anha okay mistah and he got caught up in the, the, the slander of his own relative of 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 his own mother Aisha radiAllahu anha and Abu Bakr As-Siddiq when he heard about this he said I will cut off all ties between me and you Abu Bakr used to financially support Mustafa by the way because I'm, gonna, I'm no, you're never going to get another cent from me anymore you slandered my daughter your relative you slandered her get away from me i'm never going to give you anything anymore and there was an ayah revealed at this moment to address the situation and the ayah says, he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions, أَتُحِبُّونَ أَن اللَّهُ لَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ الرحيم. Allah says, أَنَ تُحِبُّونَ أَن Would you not love Allah to forgive you? So Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, when he heard this verse come down, he said, call Ms. back, call Ms. He looks at Mistah, he says, Mistah, I will not only give you what I used to give you, but I'll even give you more. Because he said, I have done so much wrong in my life, and Allah continues to forgive me. So when it comes to you, I will forgive you, not because like I love you again, but because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching. So I forgive you for the sake of Allah. If you ever have this a pro tip, if you ever have a hard time forgiving people for your own sake, forgive people for the sake of Allah. It's a great exercise. It's a great exercise. You'll start to really be realize that your, your intention, your niyyah with everything is Allah over everything else. I love for the sake of Allah. I forgive for the sake of Allah. I do XYZ for the sake of Allah. Even when I cannot muster up my own will to do it myself, I do it for the sake of Allah. It's a great recipe. It's a great recipe. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to follow the ways of his beloved prophets. So inshallah next Wednesday We will uh, begin with verse number 93 Because verse number 93 It begins with Yusuf Telling his uh, brothers To take his shirt And give it to his father So now we will inshallah see the reuniting Of father and son uh, inshallah, In the next session And then uh, the surah ends uh, with ayah number 111, inshallah. So we're beginning with verse number 93 next week, and inshallah we will aim to finish the surah in the next two to three weeks. Wajazakumullah khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.